Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 20, verses 7 to 12. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him into his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And Paul, and when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, and were not a little comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this word this morning. As crazy as it sounds, this story does not seem, Lord, to have anything to say or do with us. And yet what we find every time we gather is that you have a specific word for each of us and for all of us. And so, God, I pray that you'd ready our hearts, that you'd remove all distractions from our minds, that, Lord, our small expectations would be overcome with the preponderance of your love, that there would be a washing, Lord, of our hearts, and even a healing of our wounds that would allow us, Lord, to have better expectations of you. Open our eyes and our ears this morning, Lord. Touch us in those places where, Lord, we have hidden ourselves from you and thought that we're safer when we're not. The only safe place is in your presence. And so come have your way in us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, some questions for us as we get started. Which is the picture of a growing student? This is a trick question because they're both the same student. That's Eva. That's my daughter. Uh, Several years ago when we went on daddy-daughter dates and we were doing some studying together. But the, the point is simply this, right? The one where she's actually doing the work of studying versus the one where she's simply enjoying the hot chocolate, right? Like, there's a clear picture of what growing looks like. Well, how how about this one? Which is a growing athlete? The guys that are chowing down on the food or the dude pumping the weight in the gym, right? Which is a growing athlete? How about this one? Which is a growing musician? The two who are taking the risk to be on stage for our talent show or the dude who's simply playing with his puppy, right? What's the point here? This is silly. These are three silly examples. But what's the point? The point is simply this. Growth requires moving beyond what's comfortable. Growth growth requires moving beyond what's comfortable. Or to put it differently, you must take the risk of failure. If you're going to grow, you must take the risk of failure. Where does that strike you this morning as we get started? As you think about your life and how you've ordered it, as you think about the season of life that you find yourself in, one of the ways you can know that you are resisting the risk is where you're frustrated with God, where you're digging in your heels, where you don't want to actually step out. Even though you say, yes, God, I trust you, but you're like, no, not here. Where's that for you? Think about it. You're not here simply to receive, participate. God is not raising up an audience but an army, and he wants us to be ready. 
This is where we're going as we continue in our sermon series this morning through the book of Acts. That's all about the mission of the Spirit. And so a review. What did we talk about last week? Last week we talked about this theme. True spiritual authority is directly proportional to our integrity with Jesus. True spiritual authority is directly proportional to our integrity. That, the, the, the fact that there's, there's nothing in between me and Jesus. Right? Because where there is stuff in between Jesus and myself, then there's, there, we're not going to be able to walk with the same level of clarity, of confidence, of intimacy, and therefore of authority. But you see here, this idea of integrity leads to intimacy, and intimacy leading to authority. And what we talked about a long time last week was this notion that when we walk with true integrity and deep intimacy and expanded authority, what we see is the, the undermining of evil spirits and evil systems. And beloved, that's the very reason why we're here still. The church exists to go out and push back the darkness and reach more people with the light and set the captives free. The fact that more people need to know about Jesus and there are captives still in this world is the only reason why Jesus has not come back. This is why we're here, in case you missed it last week. It's the purpose of being a Christian. And we talked last week about some hard stuff, that there is actually an ancient god named Moloch, where the ancient people, you read in the Bible these crazy stories in the Old Testament, you know, where they did these old things, like sacrificing their babies to the god Moloch. Who would do such a thing? That's just nuts. Who would sacrifice their babies for prosperity and pleasure? No one in our day and age would ever do that, would we? Except for the fact that we do that more today than they did back then. When you consider human trafficking, and specifically child sex trafficking, that there are over two million children enslaved right now into prostitution. When you consider the amount of babies that we slaughter every year and call it, what? Reproductive rights. When it has nothing to do with reproduction at that point. It has everything to do with ending life. We are unfortunately a, an entire culture that has been deceived by this demon Molech. And we want to call him out again and again and again. Because there are systems built underneath that oppression. And we want to undermine those systems by how we live, how we think, how we talk, how we love, how we sacrifice, how we open our arms to everyone who's caught up in every aspect of these particular systems. And so the question that we ended last week with was there were three of them. And I want to know how you're doing. How are you doing with these questions? Right? We don't just ask them just because. We ask them because we actually want to engage. What's going on? Where is Jesus calling you to integrity in your relationship? You say you follow, but he says this way, and you say, no, not over here. This, I want to follow him like this over here. That's not how this works. There's one king, and he's the one who decides direction. How are you doing with actually following him, not saying you follow him? Who does Jesus want you to help? He's put us in this world to actually engage with one another, to be a support for each other. How are you doing with that question? And then lastly, remember, what systems does he want us to undermine? I gave you some homework. I said, please go see this movie. Some of you might have thought, well, I don't want to see it because it's going to be very graphic. It's not very graphic. They don't show any of the abuse, but they show the reality of the abuse. 
and it is worth your time and your money to invest in something like this, to get the word out so that the world knows there are more slaves today than the entire transatlantic slave trade put together. More slaves today. So if we're concerned about the horror of slavery, we must be concerned about what's going on today. This is what it means to be a Christian. Light in the darkness, salt on the earth. Where's God moving in your heart? How are you doing? Let's keep asking him those questions and leaning in. Now listen, I understand I just made almost everyone in the room uncomfortable. Good. God is not here to make us comfortable. He's here to grow us. Did you miss the intro? Our growth is on the other side of our comfort level. If you're uncomfortable right now, it's because God loves you and wants to set you free from lies that you would walk in the truth. Where are you with that, beloved? This morning, our theme is this. The only way to grow is to be willing to move beyond what is comfortable and to take the risk of falling. So first, the context. Remember that part that Liam wasn't reading but was on the screen was talking about how uh, Paul left Ephesus. You remember last week we talked about Paul being in Ephesus and his ministry for three years there so undermined the, 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 the rule of Artemis in that culture. There were so many businesses built around the worship of Artemis and all these business makers were losing money. Demetrius, the silversmith, was like, we got to do something about this. So they started a riot how awesome would it be if there was a riot started because of the way that the sex trafficking industry was being undermined by the church of Jesus Christ? I'm not asking for a riot, friends. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying, let's shake stuff up. Let's get, let's get, I'm tired of sitting and waiting and not doing what God's calling us to do. Let's do our part. This is horrific. If it was your child, you'd be there. If it was my child, they'd be dead. What are we doing? There was a riot in Ephesus. And after the riot, Paul leaves. And he goes to Macedonia, Greece, and Troas. And it says there that he goes from place to place simply encouraging them. Can I tell you, in this season of our church's existence, it has been so remarkable to watch as so many of you in here and out there have gone out of your way simply to encourage one another. I see you. I know you're hurting. I just want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. That is a gift from heaven, friends. And we need it. Paul went from place to place simply to encourage those that he loved because he knew that they were in, in the middle of a hard time trying to figure out which way is up. And that's our calling as well. But I want you to see that Paul, in this passage, he's in Troas. He's been there for a week. He's only got one day left. One day left. And he wants to make the, the most of it. And so he starts preaching a sermon that starts probably right after dinner. And he preaches for hours, late into the night. And the way the, 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 the sermon text or it, it describes it is the guy who was listening, Eutychus, he starts to get drowsy. 
and he's resisting falling asleep. But Paul keeps preaching. It says he fell into a sleep, fell asleep, and Paul kept preaching, and he falls into a deeper sleep, so deep that he falls out the window and dies. Now, sidebar. <laughs> there are three people in the room right now that I praise God are currently present. Because these are Eutychi, three Eutychuses, right? This is my father-in-law, Ray. This is my spiritual son, Mark. And this is the notorious G-A-B, Gabe. Yeah, and he's asleep. Look at him. Look at Gabe. That's nice. That's nice. All three of these guys have gone out of their way to tell me two things. One, I preach too long, and two, I fall asleep while you're preaching, right? And I want you to know your stories in the Bible. What happened to Eutychus when he fell asleep? Hmm? Yeah. So, note to self, you're by the window, buddy. Okay? Not a smart place for you, right? So why is this story in the Bible? Is it just so that I can get back at these three? Yes, that's part of why God has it there. But... Why is the story actually in the Bible? It's one of these random things. You just, you read it and you're just like, okay, he falls out. Is, is God trying to make a point about Paul being, you know, long-winded? Is God trying to say you should preach uh, shorter sermons? Certainly not. Is God trying to say something about like, what's going on here? Well, let me try to unpack a couple layers to what I think is actually going on here. Because I think God has something to say to each of us this morning. So first, I want you to see that God cares for us when we're tired. You see, you, you have this guy, Eutychus. You, have, you know nothing about his story, except that he's a young, young man. What if Eutychus has been working long days because he's trying to save up to get married? And he's exhausted. What if Eutychus has a sick parent, and so after work every day he goes home to take care of his sick parent? What if Eutychus has five kids at home, and his wife passed away? You don't know anything about this guy's story other than he's tired. And God cares for him right there. There are some of us in this room right now that need to hear this because you're exhausted. And you're wondering, does anyone see? I'm running out of steam. Does anyone care? And God says, here I am, I see you, and I care for you. Eutychus falls to his death, and Paul literally raises him from the dead. It's incredible, miraculous care. But I want you to see, all throughout the Scriptures, God has this same message, the most famous psalm, the psalm that we read when people are on their deathbeds all the time, Psalm 23, the Lord is my, I shall not, he leads me in. He makes me lie down in. He restores my... Yes. He's the one who restores our souls. He puts us in a place of rest. The picture is of a shepherd wandering through the wilderness with his sheep, and they're all tired and weary, and there's danger on every side. But the sheep trust the shepherd that at the other end of this weary journey, there's going to be ultimate rest, but that throughout this weary journey, there are going to be moments of rest and refreshment. The Lord 
Yahweh is our refuge, our hiding place, and our strength. He's not asking us to be strong on our own. Our ever-present help in our time of trouble. Do you know this God? Have you received his care? The picture of all of Scripture is from garden to garden, from rest to rest. Revelation paints it. Hebrews paints it. They're going to enter into my rest. Did you see what's written on the bottom of that screen? Have you said a hallelujah inside of your heart at least a little bit? The day is coming when we will never what? Be tired again. Could you imagine? Every parent in here should be up on your feet saying hallelujah. Right? The day is coming when we will never be tired again. We were not made to be exhausted. We were made to be full and overflowing. This is the, the, the picture of what life was designed to be. Now listen, some of you are tempted right now to just start zoning. You know why? Because you're really tired. But you're tired in a particular way. You're tired in a way that you think has culpability to it. Because what if Eutychus' story was of a young man who was out late the night before partying? What if Eutychus was actually drunk that morning and just happened to be pulled along by one of his buddies so that he could come see this guy, Paul, that everyone had taught, talked about? Do you understand? Like, there's, there's one way to see this story that says, oh, he's just a good dude and he's tired. There's another way that sees this story and says, wait a second, there's some culpability there, and we know what that feels like, don't we? When you kind of make your bed and then sleep in it, when you get what you deserved, when, well, they asked for it, so here it is. If you've lived long enough, what is long enough? Eight years in this world? <laughs> Seven years in this world? You know what I'm talking about here. You know what that feels like. You know what the psalmist in Psalm 32 said when he said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away within me. He's talking about unrepentant sin, about the, the places in his own life where he feels like if, if he or she repents before God, if they come clean, that God is just going to crush them. But realize the way the psalm, psalmist writes this, the way David writes this, is he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away within me. For your hand, O God, was heavy upon me. It was God putting the pressure on. Whoa. Why? Because he wanted him to repent. He wanted him to get rid of the poison that was inside of him. And he said, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. For when God's hand was heavy upon me and I sought the Lord and confessed my sins, he didn't shame me like I was afraid he would do. He forgave my sin. He forgave my sin. And I no longer had that crushing feeling inside of me. Who here today needs to know a God who doesn't put his hand heavy upon you to shame you, but to welcome you into the light and set you free? Who here today needs to believe that this is the God of the Bible? The God who paints this picture of himself. This is, this is the uh, parable of the prodigal son, right? right? This is the, the famous picture of what Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 15. 
where he says that most famous story of the, the younger son who leaves and who says this of his dad, I, I, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. You don't get inheritance until your dad dies. So when you ask for it while he's alive, you're saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you weren't in my life. And he ran away and he went after all the things the world promised were going to give him uh, identity and value and life. And when he found that everything ran out and it was a big hoax, a big lie, what did he feel in that moment? It said he was hungry to eat the pig pods that the pigs he was feeding were eating. For a Jew to be feeding pigs is curse upon curse. And he wanted to eat their food. In that moment, let me use a word that he was absolutely feeling. Shame. Shame. And there are some of us in here this morning and online this morning who have done things in our lives, who maybe have continued to do things in our lives, who maybe aren't here today in person because you feel like I can't show up and show my face. And you're wondering, because if I do, what's God going to do? If I do, how am I going to be shamed? And I want to tell you the end of that story. Do you remember it? It says the son turns and he starts walking back home and he's going through in his mind over and over again. This re he's rehearsing his lines about how bad he is and how much he doesn't deserve his dad's forgiveness and how he just wants to be treated like a servant. And so he's going to say that as soon as he sees his dad. But as soon as his dad sees him, he runs. He runs to him and he embraces him and he tells him to shut up. None of that garbage. You're my son. I've been looking for you. I've been waiting for this day. Welcome home. Where are you gripped with shame? Thinking that God is the one who's, who's, the one who's putting shame upon you. God never shames us. The enemy of your soul is the one who wants you to think that you need to keep hiding. God, your Father, the one who loves you, the one who longs to embrace you, is the one who keeps welcoming you home. Yes, it requires turning away from your sin. That's called repentance. But friends, why would you keep walking in a direction that has already proven itself over and over and over again to be a trap and a lie? Only our Abba Father sees us and knows us there and can welcome us home no matter what we've done without shame. God cares for us when we're tired of playing the world's games, when we're tired of the lies, when we're tired of the cost, when we're tired of the shame. God's right there caring for us. Secondly, Jesus came to deal with death. Can I say that again? Because I don't think you heard me. Jesus came to deal with death. Eutychus was dead, and Jesus raised him from the grave through his servant Paul. Our God is not afraid of death. Our God is not intimidated. He's not anxious. He's not wondering what's going to happen. But everyone who does not know our Jesus better be. We better be intimidated by death because you know the statistics. One out of every one person in this room is going to die in his or her lifetime. And if you're not ready for that moment, it will be ready for you. It will deal with you. But friends, our God does not leave us there. 
He comes to deal. And so all of these little stories are inbreakings of what Jesus won at the cross and resurrection. They're inbreakings of what it means to actually follow a God that death bows to. But let's unpack it from the other angle. Because the, the shame side of things, when you feel overlooked and guilty, it's easy to think that somehow this doesn't apply to you. It's easy to think that's for everybody else, but God really knows what I've done. And he and I kind of get one another. And while there's enough grace for everybody else, that grace really doesn't apply to me because he knows what I feel, what I think, what I've done. And let me tell you something. If that is your story, you understand my heart more than you realize. Because that's the very lie that I believed my entire life. And I want to stand before you as witness and testi to, to testify to the truth. God does see your heart. He knows everything you've done. And it's exactly why he went to the cross. His words are not the words of the shamer. He is the redeemer. He is the resurrection. He is the life. And he wants you to be set free from the trap that you think you have to stay in. You do not have to stay in that trap. He's been telling the story from the beginning. You see all these passages on the screen. Elijah raises the widow's son. What's his name again? Oh, it doesn't give us his name. Elisha raises the Shunammite son. What's his name again? Oh, it's not there. Jesus raises Jairus' daughter. What's her name again? Oh, it's not there. Jesus raises the widow's son. What's his name again? Do you get the point? When you feel overlooked, when you feel like no one sees you, God keeps sending his people into your life so that he can do in you, for you, and through you what only God can do, which is to bring hope and life even in the face of death. Friends, we need that right now. I told you weeks ago when I was coming back to do one funeral and on the way home realized I was going to have to do three funerals. That God spoke to me even before I got that first phone call and he said, a storm is coming. And it is here. We have lost 11 people in the last three months. We just got word that Michelle Bellow's dad died this week of a heart attack. This is a big storm for us, friends. And our hearts ache with those who have lost so much. It is overwhelming. And yet, our Jesus is at work in the storm. Do you remember the picture that his disciples learned? It was, it was an experience they had. They went out on the Sea of Galilee, and there's a storm that's brewing, and it's so big that fishermen are afraid. That means it's a big storm. And they go looking for Jesus, and where is he? He's asleep in the boat. I love that. He's so not afraid of the storm that he can sleep in the boat. Come on. Come on. And they wake him up and like, Jesus, don't you care? And he's like, don't I care? Don't you know who I am? Oh, you have little faith. And then he turns to the storm and he quiets it with just a word. 
You remember what they say? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey his voice? Who is this that even death itself obeys his voice? He's Jesus, and he's the risen Lord, and he's the lover of our souls, and he wants more of us than we're willing to give him. But today is your day to give him more, to give him more access, to take the risk, to step out in faith, because he has come to deal with the very thing that is our biggest enemy. He has overcome the grave, my friends. But to do that requires taking risks. Growing requires the risk of falling. What you see in the story of Eutychus is also a snapshot of a young man that's not ruled by fear. It's someone who steps out in faith, who goes beyond what's comfortable. It stretches him so far that he literally falls asleep and falls out a window and dies. That's a traumatic picture of someone who's giving it all giving it all. I'm in. I want to know this. I want to grow. No matter the cost, I will not be afraid. He's not living by fear. Our next level of intimacy, uh, next level of intimacy, friends, is found on the other side of our comfort level. It's found beyond what we think we can do. You know that saying that people say, well, the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. That's actually only a half-truth, and a half-truth is a whole lie. Because the one who gets to define and determine what you can handle is not you. He's the one who knows what you can handle. And the way that that verse actually talks about it, it says he will always give you a way out. And there's both a blessing and a curse in that. Because if you choose to take the way out, friends, without learning the lesson that God has for you, all you're doing is asking for another lesson. He will get you back to that very same place through more suffering and trial. He'll get you there and give you another option. Will you choose to die here? Will you choose to be stretched beyond what is comfortable? Or will you, will you flee? And if you flee, like a loving father, he'll say, okay, I'll wait here. And he'll wait. And he'll bring you back, sometimes five years later, sometimes 10 years later, to that very place and ask you the same question. As an older man, can I give you some encouragement? <clears throat> Say yes the first time. Amen. The cost is big when you don't. Say yes the first time. And trust, trust the one who's leading you is a good shepherd. He loves your soul. He's told us, this good shepherd, from the beginning, that falling is part of the process. Did you miss that? If anyone would come after me, he must deny him or herself, pick up their cross and follow me. You know what Jesus did when he picked up his cross? He fell over and over and over again on the way to Calvary and then ultimately fell into the grave. Falling is part of the process. You do not get to grow without falling. Do you hear this? Because we're afraid of this, but I don't want to fall. Well, then you don't want to grow. But let me tell you something, friends. You're going to fall one way or the other. Can you fall in his direction? Fall after him. Don't fall away from him. You fall away from him, you have more falling to do to get back to him. It's not hard to understand. It's just hard to live. But friends, can I tell you, it's much harder to live the other way. 
it's much harder to live the other way. Remember all the promises. Romans 8 talks about we will share in his glory when we share in his suffering. Romans 5 says we rejoice in our sufferings because we know suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because he's already poured his love into our souls through his Holy Spirit. The same message in James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of various kinds. Who loves trials? Yes! We don't count it joy because of the trial. We count it joy because of the God who's like a potter with clay using the trial to bring us to our intended purpose. The, word, the Greek word is telos. He's made us for a purpose, on purpose, and he's bringing us there through suffering. Are you willing to grow, to take the risk of falling even when death is on the line? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh grave, is your sting? It has been swallowed up in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 15. As Christians, we have nothing to be afraid of when it comes to death. Death is not the end, but a doorway into a greater life for us. And when you know that, you're invincible. You're invincible. I'm looking at you. We're invincible, Jer. No matter what you do, no matter where you're going, even when you're being deployed, you're invincible because death has nothing on you when you already know the resurrection and the life. Beloved, where is God challenging you to step out in faith? A couple of specific words and then we're done. First of all, a word to parents. That's my Eva again. And I want you to know a prayer that we've prayed for our kids every day of their lives. God, let them fail while they're still at home. Let them make their big mistakes while they're still at home. Why? Why would a loving parent pray that? Because I want to be there to help. I don't want her to go away to college and make all of her big mistakes there and get advice from a bunch of other college students. No offense to you college students in the room, but the bottom line is, is you've not lived long enough. I want to be there with my kid, helping her through the trials and tribulations. And you know what? God answered our prayer. And it wasn't easy. It's incredibly difficult. But I am so proud of the young woman that my daughter has become because she went through the fire and we came out the other side together with Jesus leading and he is going to do incredible things through my Eva. Amen. Beloved, if you are a parent in this room and you are praying for God to protect your kids from falling and then at the same time praying, Lord, grow their faith, please realize God's going to say to you, which one do you want? Stop praying for protection. Start praying for redemption. God, redeem their mistakes. God, allow them to learn from these, grow them so they can be strong in their faith so that when they are out on their own, they will not fear, but will walk in the truth, full of your spirit, and the kingdom of heaven will come through them. Don't pray for protection. Pray for redemption, parents. A word to you kids, no matter how old you might be, if you're still high school and under, let's talk about this, right? A word to kids, take 
the risk of communication with your parents. Sometimes your parents don't know how to communicate with you. Oftentimes they have no idea what's going on inside of your head or heart because you don't let them know. Take the risk of communication. That includes listening. Listen to them. Hear their hearts. Share yours. And then at the end of the day, take the risk of obedience. Obedience is you saying, even though I don't want this, even though I can't understand this, I'm going to choose to say yes to you because I'm honoring you as my mom and dad. Can I encourage you to realize that there's a whole world out there you don't know yet? They've lived an entire lifetime before you were even a thought in, on this planet. And they have wisdom to share. They're trying to help you not make the same mistakes that they made. Take the risk of obedience, but take the risk of communication first. A word to our singles. This is Michelle, by the way, who just lost her dad. And this is Marta, one of our singles who has so taken the risk of relationship in terms of investing in real friendships, being present, being faithful, praying regularly for, serving and serving alongside, blessing and being blessed by the bellows. And do you know when Michelle lost her father, who one of the first phone calls she made to was to Marta. Marta, can you come help? We're in trouble. If you want to be that person, you have to take the risk of relationship. You have to. If you want, as singles, to pursue even deeper relationships, if you're still like, I want to be married one day, well, then you need to work on building deep, loving relationships now. Your spouse will be your best friend. Do you have best friends now? Are you investing now? If you're not looking, if you're called to singleness and gifted with singleness, which is a gift not just to you but to us, hallelujah, if that is, if you're calling, invest, invest, invest. And beloveds on the other side, make room for singles in your life. They need to know that they're seen and heard and loved as well. They need a safe place to be part of the family so that they can take the risk and reap the rewards. All of us, friends, need to learn from an awesome movie called Meet the Robinsons. If you've not seen it, go see it. It's an, we just talked about this yesterday, didn't we, Ben? Meet the Robinsons. It's all about this inventor little boy who's an orphan who gets adopted, grows up, and I won't, I won't spoil it for you, but there's one line in it, right, where he is there, surrounded by his family, and he has made a, uh, an invention that's a peanut butter and jelly maker, right? And so he, so he presses start, and it blows up all over the place, and everyone gets messy, and he's waiting for them to yell at him, and they all say, congratulations, well done, we're so proud of you, you failed, you failed. And it's like, wait, what's going on? And like, well, if you don't take the risk to fail, you don't grow. And so their, their family motto is, keep moving forward. It sounds just like our Jesus, doesn't it? Take the risk to fail. You're already loved. Did you, did you hear the song we sang, Jaira? You're already chosen. You already know whose family you belong to. So live like it.
Take the risk to step out and make mistakes, to fail, to fall. Trust that there's a God who's greater than you. I'm going to pick on my, my honey right now. That's Kristen. Kristen, in this season of her life, she's upstairs so I can do that. She's teaching Sunday school. Otherwise, I'd be a dead man right now. So this stays between us, okay? Kristen just started a business. She's, good. She's trying to do voice acting, so doing uh, reading for uh, books and for... Uh, all different, uh, what is it called, Audible, and, uh, and doing commercials and stuff like that. She's just getting started, and it's been really intimidating, but it's been so awesome as her husband to watch her step out in faith and watch God keep meeting and growing her in her soul, even as he opens up door after door after door. It's delightful. Even while she's terrified, I'm rejoicing because I know what God's doing. It's not unclear. It's just a matter of time and faithful steps. It's beautiful to watch. What about this dude, Dan? Dan took the risk to come to Spain with us. He took the risk of real relationship. He took time off of work. He invested, paid for the trip himself, went there and met the Lord, was challenged and stretched. But can I tell you, fruit from that and maybe in the middle of all that, this dude just started a new job, left where he was comfortable and stepped out in faith. Kudos to you, brother. Praise the Lord. What about these guys? Who was at the men's breakfast two weeks ago? Yeah, come on, come on. Food was so-so, right? But uh, (laughs) Michael. um, But these these guys stepped out in faith and said, you know what we need? We need a gathering place for our guys. So we're going to start the men's ministry up again. So let's start with the men's breakfast and see where it goes. And hallelujah, it was an awesome time. If you missed the last one, there'll be another one and you can join us. It has been fantastic to watch. But it's also fantastic to watch the bond that's being formed here. The, the, the way that God is growing each of these guys in their faith, it is remarkable to see. Why? Because they took the risk to step out in faith and to grow. It's not going to be comfortable, friends. This is a picture of a bunch of us on July 4th. Can you see the sweat? We're disgusting. We did a group workout, and it was awesome. But at no point was it comfortable At no point was it easy. It's all about saying yes to the growth that you want and engaging in a way that will absolutely be painful, but is on purpose. Even when your life is rocked, both of these ladies lost their husbands a decade or so ago. And it would have been very easy for them to be done, to do what feels safe, and to disengage. But they stepped out in faith. And not only are they more beautiful and stronger and glorious because of it, We are as well. Some of us in here know what that feels like. To lose a husband. To lose a brother. To lose a father. To lose a mother. We all know what it's like to lose friends. 
We've lost a lot recently, friends. And the temptation is to guard our hearts from God because it's like, this hurts too much, Lord. Remember the promise of God, beloved. As we share in his sufferings, so we shall share in his glory. If we're asking for intimacy, it's in the context of suffering that we will actually experience that. He's not okay with our losses, but he redeems them. He wants more of our hearts. Are you willing to give him yours? This is the question we're going to end with today. We're just going to ask God to, going to give God a little bit of time to answer it for us. Are you ready to risk for Jesus? Are you ready to move beyond what's comfortable? In many ways, friends, it's it's a moot point. It's a moot question because he's already moved us beyond what's comfortable. But can I ask freshly, are you willing to move even beyond where you're at? Where it's far less than comfortable, far more costly than we thought, far more risky than we wanted it to be. Staying safe where you're at is only a recipe for disaster. Taking the risk to step out and let God meet you there, friends, is not just how we grow. It's how we thrive. It's, it's how we experience the glory that we were made to know, even in little bits here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to give us a couple minutes right now And I want you to think about a couple of things. First, where are you afraid to even ask this question? Where are you annoyed by it, perhaps angered by it? At the very least, it produces anxiety in you. Can I encourage you to realize it's precisely there that God wants to set you free today? And then simply, as you're asking God to heal you from that, Ask him, God, what's my next step? Remember, the Lord speaks in a variety of ways. He spoke to me all morning through the worship songs. I could barely stand on my feet as God ministered to my soul in precisely the way I needed it, simply because I turned my attention in his direction and let him speak to me. Perhaps he's been speaking to you through the sermon, but as you're listening in prayer, He might give you a word. He might give you a vision. He might give you a sense in your heart. He might touch you and give you a deep sense of his warmth and love. There are lots of ways God speaks to us. Be aware of your body, of your mind, of your soul as we ask him for this. Jesus is not afraid. Jesus loves you. He's calling you out. Will you come away with him? Will you come further? Will you listen? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now for this, your church, your beloved. I ask, Lord, in those places where we're already feeling the rub, where it already feels annoying or anxiety-producing, that you'd give us the courage to just look there, right now. 
to look at it and to call it out for what it is. Lord, if it's fear, would you show us, Lord, how to repent of the things and renounce the things that, Lord, are keeping us enslaved to fear? Lord, we renounce the, the lie of control this morning, that somehow us being in control is better for us than yielding to your control. We renounce that in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we renounce the lie that says you don't see us and you don't care. And we put on the truth this morning that there's never been one day in our lives, not even one moment, that you have not seen us and loved us. the Lord is speaking to you, whatever he's showing you, can I ask you to take the risk to just hold it out to him, to offer it to him. Say, Lord, take this from me. I don't want it anymore. I want you, Jesus. So let's do a swap. Here's my burdens. Here's my fear. Here are all the lies I've believed. Please take them. Instead, give me your love and grace. Heal my soul and grow me in your glory. Jesus, thank you that when we ask for forgiveness, you never say no. You delight. Abba, Father, thank you that you are that dad that's always looking for us to turn, that you could run to us and cover our shame and remind us who we are and whisper your love into our ear even as you hold us close to your heart. I pray that you do that right now. Holy Spirit, would you move in the hearts and minds of your people right now? Would you speak in a way that we can hear you what's next where do you want us to step out in faith to take the risk and to reap the life thank you Jesus thank you Lord we trust you and we declare that you are good there's no one like you, and we will follow you, even to the grave and through the grave to life everlasting. Show us the way today, Jesus. In your matchless name we pray.